We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. What's going on, folks? Episode guest with us today. But before we get to the special guest, I want to check in with my homeboy, man. How you doing, man? How you doing, Dr. Cole? Well, one, I'm very happy to have on uh, the Wu-Tang Clan of, 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 of improving education for black people. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate that. Um, I will say you having some technical issues with your mic, Ray. You kind of was out for most of that, just FYI. But um, I'm really excited about this amazing group of people. And I think that, like, uh, we about to learn a lot, man. And uh, they came with their shirts on. And I think it's the first time out of the 90 episodes we've done that cats came with jerseys. So let's do this thing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, amazing energy, bro. Amazing energy already. So, 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 man, it's, it's, it's this so personal for me, this show. So don't mind me if I, if I get besides myself because, you know, that woman up in the top, I got so much love for her. And Charles, I know you got so much love for her as well, bro. So let's introduce uh, our audience to, 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 to Miss Carpenter, bro. I know you got a nice bio for her. Well, yeah, and you, you can give me the screen for this, man. I um, When I think about Sarah, and you leave it on her, leave it on her, not leave it on her. Because oh, when God. I think about Sarah, like, I think about somebody who is so fierce in this work and so honest with it and does not move alone, would not allow herself to move alone, and who has just, from the first time I met her, adopted me and you and the A Black Hands as a whole and just been fierce. And it's unapologetic and it's authentically herself and just amazing on so many, so many ways. And uh, and I think about, damn, if if I knew that she existed or she was around, my grandmother was alive or when I was younger, my parents needed help. How much different could my life have been? I am just so honored to be with the modern day Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, actually the first Sarah Carpenter. And I truly, truly love this woman. I'm in love with this woman. I would man. And I love our whole team. And just how they show up, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Carpenter is in the building with her entire crew. Let's make some noise and rejoice for that. Yeah, that's what's Ooh. up. <laughs> woo, woo. Hey, Sarah. Hey, hey, so, 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 uh, Miss Sarah, how you feel about that intro? How you feel about the love? Do you feel loved? I, I really do. I do feel loved, and I give that same love back in return to Eight Black Hands and this amazing team, man. This, this team is amazing. Uh. I get that same love back, and Charles, you almost made me cry, and I want to be tough tonight. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we ain't over. We're not done yet. But before we get to the, the rest of your people, we got our brothers in here, uh, Sharif and Chris. Uh, you know, give your intro before we dive in. I just gave Sarah's intro, but, you know, I'm happy to see you, brothers, man. It's been a long week for me, so happy Thanksgiving. I didn't get a chance to talk or see none of y'all on the holiday, so I hope you, Ray, and Reef had just an amazing holiday with your families. So, hey, checking in. Uh, Breezy, how you doing, sir? I'm good. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, uh, um, school board member elect uh, Little, good evening, my brother. Love you, love you, love you. Uh, Fannie Lou speaking truth to power, even when power is wearing a Rolex watch and calling the police. 
on black people <laughs> in Cleveland <laughs> after your nine hours on a bus. How are you doing? And to the whole great. powerful parent network family, I love y'all. Y'all just like do the thing. You do the thing. Hey, uh, hey Reef, how you doing, bro? Man, is it, I'm doing great. Good to be here. Good to see you all. And I'm really excited to, uh, you know, just follow up with uh John Little, as well as Mama Sarah. Yeah, board member Little and, yes. and Mama Sarah. You know, um, it's always great seeing you all and the rest of the team. Powerful Parent Network. Let's get it in tonight. Woo. All right, so we don't we don't have them for the whole time. They're just going to be with us for a short while. But Miss Sarah, introduce your team. Let these let them get their... They got 15 minutes. Let's go. These are grown-ups. They're going to introduce themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be in their presence tonight. I, I love them all. All right, so hey, listen, when I put the screen on you, you go. Mm. Where we at? All right, it's a lot of screens. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Kimberly Dukes, and I lead, um, I'm a leader in Atlanta. Um, and I'm a mother of 10 kids, and I fight for quality education mm. for 58,000 kids in my district every day. That's what's up. Thank you for that. Yeah. My name is Joe Cantu. Uh, I'm from San Antonio, Texas, born and raised. Uh, I'm uh, a leader here in San Antonio. I have two kids, uh, a 10-year-old and a 20-month-old now at this point in time. And, uh, you know, we just fight to make sure that our kids can get the best education here in San Antonio. That's what's up. Thank you for that. Come on. What? You got to get on mute. <laughs> You're muted. <laughs> sorry, I'm so used to that. I'm sorry. My name is Renee Smith. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm under Sarah Covington. Hey, who your favorite hand? <laughs> oh, no, Molly. That's the diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Crystal Barnett. I'm in the Hustle City, St. Louis, Missouri. And um, I'm excited to be a part of the Powerful Parent Network. And I most certainly always look forward to the disruptions that we're going to cause. Absolutely. Hey, John, I'm trying to get to you, bro. There it is. Oh, man. Yeah. So... Um, Natural Propel, um, working with Ms. Sonya Thomas, who is the ED, but definitely love to support Memphis, St. Louis, Atlanta, um, and, and Nashville and Memphis. So I'm just on here supporting, um, representing for the Powerful Parent Network. That's what's up. So, so uh, Ms. Sarah, how, how does idea come about? Uh, yeah, I started this work probably in the early maybe 80s, and uh, I knew our school system was failing back then when, when parents were walking up to me at the corner store saying, they passed my baby on, and he can't even read to high school. And I knew something had to be done, so I started back then, but the Memphis Little Guy started in 2015. Um, and John and Natasha came to Memphis, and they had an idea. Me being who I am, I, I didn't trust people at that point because I had seen so much go on in our community that people promised us and never delivered. But I can truly say that John and Natasha lived up to their uh, commitment to let parents leave. So that's we got started in 2015. So here we are. 
five and a half years later. <laughs> so, and fellas, jump in. And found these fans from all over the country that felt the same way we felt. So, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Hey, fellas, jump in. I know y'all got questions. Well, I just, you know, I'll jump in quick on what you just said, Sarah. What What do you mean? that uh, they feel the same way. What's the feeling that you see across cities? If you go across different places and you talk to the same parents in different places, what's the common thread? What are they telling you? Um, um, black and brown children is not reading on grade level. Uh, they not getting what they need. Parents being left out of the conversation every time, not sometime, every time. Parents are being left out of the conversation. And who better to fix the situation than the people closest to the situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, so uh, where we at, Miss Dukes? You you got you got kids in, in both public schools and and charter schools. How, how are you transitioning that? Charter schools so, or public schools? Yeah, uh, charter schools are public schools, sir. <laughs> I know that. I run a charter school. <laughs> <laughs> you know just, just but gotta stop you there, my brother. <laughs> um, different environments, so it's hard to manage. But as a parent, what I know is every child needs something different and you have to give them exactly what they need for them to thrive. So it's just about balancing it and trying to make sure I'm helping every other parent figure out the best way um, to do that as well so that their children um, will be okay, especially after we have went through this pandemic. And just like Miss Sarah said, a lot of parents feel the way we feel like me. Um, my kids were stuck in a school that has been failing for over 25 years and parents did not know that. But one once I figured it out, I just took him by the hand and did like follow Miss Sarah Lee. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, and that happens a lot in, in 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 our neighborhoods where we'll have these failing schools, and uh, and p- parents don't really want to hear that those schools are failing because they've been there for so long. So how do we broach those types of conversations with parents that are just you know they they believe in that in that in that traditional system even though it failed them. I think for us, um, we have to teach the parents how to read the data and um, you have to also give them the chance to think outside of the box because what we have been given all this time is what we think is normal. But through this pandemic, we are we have a chance to create a new normal. So now that parents see it for themselves with us having to take the lead on education and be the teacher inside of our home, we see it. We know our kids are underperforming. We know our kids can't read. So this had to happen for parents like us to be able to say, give us options, give us choices, and allow us to pick what's best for all of our children. Come yeah. come through, Atlanta. Yeah, you, hey, through. you see, hey, you see the A up in here with that energy. <laughs> hey, listen, if you listening to this right now, make sure you like it, make sure you share it. Uh, share it with a note, Charles. You ain't even get the spill, but jump in here, Charles. I know, man. I was I was actually doing that at the moment. And y'all, if y'all got a chance, y'all share it and tell your people to come through. I'm just honored to be in y'all's presence, and I think that you know people downgrade what black and brown parents can do when working together. What's a message that y'all as a collective might have for people who feel trapped in their system, for people that might not have the options of choice or charters or can't get into private schools? What would you say to those parents? Anybody else want to jump in? I do. <laughs> I mean, go ahead, Christian. My, my kids are in private school. I think it's two misconceptions that happen with black and brown families. One, that they don't know that there's resources out here. And two, they don't know how to get them, even though they're available. The one thing that I got to see because my kids were in those schools is what real community looks like, 
what it really means to pull up for a child and to involve me every step of the way with my children. Even through the fellowships that Miss Sarah has allowed for us to teach in our own individual cities, we now light that fire in every single parent to know that they can be first partakers in what happens with their child and institution. Once you light that fire and then connect them to their why, that's how that movement keeps moving. Mm -hmm. So they're not connected to what we're saying anymore. They now know their own whys and what they want for their kids. And now they're dreaming again. Mm -hmm. And now they're thinking further. And now we're stepping together as one unit. That's what this powerful parent movement is about. Mm -hmm. Every single parent out there with a child has a fire. As soon as you light it and give them enough education, then they can move towards that victory that everybody wants to see for their kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, love that that on a t-shirt. Love that energy right there. (laughs) Hey, so so what's what's, what's happening down in San Antonio, man? Y'all got got an interesting uh, landscape down there with schools and stuff, man. Talk to us. Yeah, uh, so a little bit about San Antonio. Uh, it's not one giant mega district, right? We have 17 different ISDs that cut up San Antonio along with the public charter schools that exist there. I think the last time I counted, we had 36 different districts within San Antonio. And so um, it's kind of a mess to kind of transition to get like this blanketed change, if you will, throughout San Antonio. Um, so one of the things we've been thinking about is going at it at, from a state level, if you will, because we know that's how we're going to affect the most kids uh, currently at this point in time, you know, San Antonio has roughly 340,000 kids that are enrolled. And the last time that they took the standardized test, uh, more than 55% of them were not reading properly. Um, mm-hmm. So if you think about that, you know, that's, that's over 200,000 kids that are not reading. Right. Um, we have a stadium here, the AT&T stadium. It holds roughly 30,000 people. So if you can imagine filling up, you know, like nine to 10 of those with kids mm-hmm. that can't read, that's a wow. that's a that's a big statement right there. And so, I mean, that's what we're here fighting for that to make sure that our kids don't get left behind. Uh, there's no city in the nation that I know of right now that's addressing COVID loss and how our kids are going to be caught up and how they're going to stay caught up during this time. And so, that's another thing that all of us are actively talking about in our own individual cities. That's what's up. I so, so speaking of, speaking of COVID, uh, Reef, jump in here uh, whenever you want to, sir. Um, what what are, what are some of the, the things that y'all are seeing? What are some of the things that parents are saying uh, about about how schools are failing them during COVID? So for me, um, in Atlanta, a lot of parents um, have not received training um, to actually convert over to virtual. So there still isn't a choice for us to be able to push our kids forward. Um, a lot of parents complain about not being able to get into contact with people when they need help in real time um, so that we're able to push our kids forward. But also the technique. Why isn't it okay for you to teach me the technique so that I can hold that um, near and dear to my heart and not only enforce it in my household, but with my neighbors as well and pull them along. I think sometimes sometimes that's the fear because if we're able to educate our kids um, Mm -hmm. ourselves in a manner um, that is gonna make them thrive and they will be able to read on right level. I think that's the fear behind this, but I think that's what we're fighting for. Man, hey, so I know you, you, what you just right there, you just spoke a word. And so I'm gonna hand this over to uh, Mr. Stewart because you've been tweeting about this all day. <laughs> I mean, man, I've had teachers all day long 
on my timeline basically telling me that we're doing the best we can. Y'all need to leave us alone. You know, we're doing the best we can. Um, how dare you insult us? How dare you insult, you know, our professionalism and whatnot? And um, it just seems like there is a, a disconnect. But what I would ask you all, since you work with parents all the time, the, thing, the question I would ask you is, I meet a lot of parents who say things to me over the years have said things to me like, Chris, you know, I just don't feel comfortable speaking or they're going to make me feel bad or they're going to like, you know, like I can, I'm not like you. I can't just jump out there and tell people, you know, what I want to tell them and whatever and, you know, stand with me or whatever. But I've never found a thing that helps people feel comfortable speaking their own truth on, on behalf of their own kids. Have you all found some kind of way to make people just feel courageous enough to say, like, it ain't about a college degree? It ain't about like what I you think I know or don't know. It's about this is my child. I'm here. Is there some way you help people feel comfortable? I, I think I think y'all. It's about changing parents' mindset to let them know they got the power. And some doors we knocked on back in 2015, we stood there like five minutes. Some doors we had to stand there like 20 minutes. You got to change people's mindset. And when you change those parents' mindset, I haven't met a parent yet that don't want what's best for their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nobody intimidate me. I don't speak like Chris. I don't speak like Dr. Cole. I don't even speak like Kim. But nobody gonna intimidate me when it comes to my 15 grandbabies. 15? 15. <laughs> what I'm talking about. And somebody's grandbaby is in the back right now, very audible, just FYI. So if you're not speaking, yeah, please yeah. mute. Because there's 87 people on this right now. So Parents can feel intimidated when they go into school. If they don't look a certain way or they don't speak a certain way, what you see is what you get when you see us coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, I, so I, I got a, I got a question for that. Reef, Reef. Oh my God, he speaks. I do, I do. Um, you know, first, thanks again for being on here. My question kind of builds on what Chris was talking about a little earlier. Like, so we often talk about teacher uh, preparation, teacher training, teacher effectiveness. What do you as parents look for, you know, in your, in your child's grandchild's teachers and principals? Like what are the qualities you're looking for where you think, you know what, my kid has a fighting chance in that classroom or in that school? I look for transparency. I look for honesty. I look for if the teacher can look me in the eye when I walk in that room. I look mm-hmm. for if the teacher starts off telling me positive things about my child before we talk about the things they need to work on. Mm-hmm. I pay attention to how my child reacts when I'm talking to that person because I don't have meetings with teachers without my child present. That way I'll know what's happening with them when I'm not around. Those mm-hmm. things matter. Even if I don't particularly like you or even if I don't think you can do it, if you come to me in the way that I just described, I will work with you. I work behind the scenes with my own child and make sure you're doing your part in that classroom so they can move to where they need to be. We need partnership in this. This thing is not against teachers. We're, we're fighting against a system that was designed to fail our children. That's not a personal attack of one teacher. It's the system under which you operate. So until you understand that this system wasn't designed for us and the, and the disruption that we're bringing is to come against that system and change it so that every child is welcome in that space, then you really won't even understand the reason why parents fight the way they do. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it, none of these teachers send their kids to these crappy schools, y'all. I put a, a post on Facebook the other day and teachers came at me. Okay, y'all coming yeah. for me? I didn't send for y'all. Okay, come on. 
What was the post? Oh God, I can't remember my post so much. Parents in the classroom now, you can hear Miss, I'm just using this name, you can hear Miss Stevenson when she's screaming at your child. I got a eight-year-old and the teacher tell her she can't go to the bathroom in my house. Mm-hmm. Not in my house. So now parents are close to the, the classroom than they ever been. And they hear things that's being said to their kids now. You know, we get all this. We're not against teachers. We, we're against a system, like Crystal said. And they don't understand that. And if you want to be a part of that system, we're going to be against you when it comes yeah. to our babies. Can I say can I say one thing? So Sarah Carpenter is in Memphis, Tennessee, dealing with issues. Kimberly Dukes is in Atlanta, Georgia, dealing with issues. Joe Cantu is in San Antonio, dealing with issues. Crystal Barnett is in St. Louis, dealing with issues. And I'm in Nashville. We're dealing with the same issues. So what Kim says, I recognize it because we deal with it in Nashville. What we're trying to do as a powerful parent movement is to help people realize this is not just in Memphis. This is not just in Oakland. This is not just in Philadelphia. Like the issues we talk about are the issues we deal with all across the country. And and that's why I love following the lead of these parents, because they are speaking up and speaking out about the issues that we're dealing with. And when Crystal in St. Louis does good work on behalf of kids, it helps me in Nashville and vice versa for the other cities. Hey, that's why you won that election. Hey, I that, just want to say, that, I just want to say that, 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 came that, on that, that, that came politician on the John sounds different. You know what I'm saying? He was, he was very distinguished. Yeah, he's he's a, very very poised. Poised. I'm just saying, Chris, was that how you was when you was a board member? Too? <laughs> I tried. It didn't last. I tried. I tried in the beginning. It didn't he, last. He ain't stepped foot in the office yet, so we'll see <laughs> before he cuts in everybody out. You know what I'm saying? That was beautiful. Yeah, it was. No assimilation. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel it. All right, so what, uh, Miss Crystal, what advice do you have for um for for the parents that are in private schools? Parents in private schools don't why am I fighting for kids in public schools when my kids have been in private schools their whole life? It's because I know that school can be different. And it's going to take parents and people like us who know that things can be different and then make it available to every child in every school. In St. Louis, it's not even about the type of school. It's about what's happening in the classroom. The quality, the learning, the achievement, the, the, um, the building up, the encouragement, and then the partnership. So us private school parents need to speak out because our ki- people say our kids are getting things because we pay for it, but I beg to say that the teachers in the classroom actually care. My son going through all that he has went through, losing his father this year, me almost dying in a car accident, working Jeez. through depression. Those teachers was on it. They was with him. They showed up. They came to our house. They've been bringing food to my house since October the 3rd. They started to go fund me for me this year. When I tell you that community really exists in those schools and it can exist in the private schools, in the public schools too, I mean it because I've seen it. Mm. I wish my son was here to tell you how it feels to be an 18-year-old boy going through all that he has went through 
it got accepted to seven other schools he applied to. And it's because those people wrapped their arms around him when I couldn't. And that is what we're asking you all to do in those public schools. Stop treating those kids in those schools like they don't matter. There's brilliance in every single classroom. And if you would walk in that, in that space believing that, then you wouldn't leave a child passing them to the next grade without reading. There wouldn't be a kid in there feeling like they couldn't do it. I didn't say it was a super genius, but I did say every kid could succeed, succeed. And that is the reason why we're here. And black or white, blue, green, I'm done with the color thing. Every single child out here that has been failed, it is all of our fault. And until you take your role of accountability, then then you you need to back up. And I'm not talking to you until you're ready to take your part in this in this fight. I don't want, I don't have no argument for no one. I'm on this show with you all because I believe that all kids can do well. The fact that you just asked me that makes me want to cry because I know what it looks like for a community to stand behind a child. Every child deserves it. Every single student. If you're not doing it as a teacher, well, you need to pull up to your own life and take an accountability. If you're not doing it as a parent, you need to open a book when you're at home. And if you need help with that book, you need to say something because the help is out here. But you have to take the first step. And somebody will be there right there and they're going to grab your hand like y'all doing with us and we're going to walk you right to that next phase you need to get to. Period. That's why Miss Sarah been doing this for 30 years almost. Because it's time. I I appreciate that. I appreciate every word that you just said. You don't you don't even understand how much I appreciate that. But one of the key things that you just hit on that I want us to really talk about and discuss that it ain't just black kids, it ain't just brown kids that's failing by this system. Every kid is being failed by this system. Right? And I know we the eight black hands and you know we're going to talk about black kids and whatnot, but I, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about hey, this this system is failing everybody and it's killing kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally killing kids. Yeah, I feel like uh, Miss Crystal just gave a sermon. I feel the Lord in the house tonight. <laughs> I feel Jesus right now. Because like right now, gone shout. I, I, you don't want to start me. <laughs> you don't want to start me right now. I just, I just want to tell you, I feel it. I feel it. It is, it's in, it's in every word that you said. You were anointed with what you just said. There was an anointing to what you just said. We can build community around our children. It doesn't matter what kind of school they are in. There are 8 million black children in these public schools. That means there's at least 8 million guardians that God put on this earth to fight like an army, an army, 8 million in the army. That is an army to take a nation to hold that back. You know what I'm saying, Sharif? <laughs> you know what? in the house. Always you. Come on, Miss Crystal. You need to come through with what you just said. It touched me so much. Um, hey, for the people out there that's listening, that was not written in the script. We would definitely not allow him to say mm-hmm. what he just said. He said it on his own. What are you talking about? Why you hate Jesus, bro? Your PE references? Oh, I thought you was about to give Jesus a hard time because we were about to have a different show tonight. We were about to have a totally different show tonight. Anyway, thank you for that, Miss Crystal. I appreciate you. Yes. I mean, this is just beautiful. And I know that we're going to lose some of y'all in a little bit, but I just wanted to, I wanted, I'm glad that we have this show with all of your faces where it is overwhelming the StreamYard uh, system because this is a, a prerequisite of what needs to happen 
these type of phases need to shred and flood these public education systems. And I think that y'all made some really, really good points. And Miss Crystal, you've had an incredible year and I am just my heart goes out to you. I mean, that was beautiful. You can't. I mean, this is the type of heart that's in there. And there are people that don't think that she is capable of giving you advice around how to teach her kids. There are people that think that because her kids might not be doing as well as she wants them to do, that it ain't your fault, but it's her fault mm. some kind of way. And it ain't no way possible that mm. somebody that spoke like that with that type of fire mm. is not on her kids' heads as soon as they get home about doing what they need to do. So I saw Chris's timeline today. I saw it right before. I would have had your back. I just was, I was about to say, where was he? I'm, I'm sick of seeing my timeline. Well, I was, I was, I was designing some stuff for for um for some other work, but I was like, what did he say? I had to kind of scroll up and see it, and I'm just like, this is not about parents versus teachers. This is not about like if it's set up as teachers versus the community. That's not we're not gonna win like that. That's not a that's not a thing. But here's the but here's why you need more black and brown educators in education. Right. And I'm going to throw my guy Sharif some love here because me and him go at it about this. But this is what exemplifies, I think, his point the most mm-hmm. is that you can't be from the same community and see that and hear that and know what that real passion sounds like and then just ignore it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do it. If you got a big mama, you cannot do it. I, you, you just can't. But it's easy to do it if I don't have any type of relationship or any type of uh, deference to your community. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to. I'm just lost in it right now. And thank you so much for that, Miss Crystal. I want to add on that, Charles, just one quick thing, because I know everybody's going to have a feeling about this. But sometimes your (laughs) own kind, sometimes it's your own people in the system, though. Mm -hmm. And and a a board member elect John Little said this when he was on our previous show. But sometimes our own people are the ones in the system that give us a hard time. too. So we do need we do need more teachers of color. But what Sharif always says is we need more conscious black people in these schools, right? They need to be conscious and aware because today in my timeline, listen, some of them join in with the other ones and they sound no different. They sound just like the other ones. It's almost like they went to the same school and got the same script and came out here as like, you don't understand how these parents are, how these kids are. Walk a day in my shoes. And my response is walk a day in the shoes of somebody who has been burned by the American public education system. Walk a day in the shoes because there is nothing. There's no harder job in the world than to be uneducated in a capitalist society. Yep. That is the hardest job there is. Don't tell me mm-hmm. teaching is the hardest job in the world. I'll tell you what's the hardest job in the world. Hardest job in the world is having rent due on Wednesday and not having a paycheck until that Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. That's the hardest job in the world, right? And especially when you got kids and mouths to feed and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to add, sometimes our own people need to step up and be conscious and join us instead of standing with their colleagues. And Chris, I, so I think there's, a, there's that- a reason why they stand with their colleagues, bro. They're conditioned to be that way. And so by us having conversations like this, it kind of it, it, it brings it to the forefront that number one, they're conditioned. And number two, parents are the experts of their kids. So if you really want to know the, what, what's truly going on with a child, you communicate with that parent. Like that's common sense. And then that, that takes it back to the graduate education programs, bro. It's like, what the hell are they teaching these teachers in these graduate education programs? Because when they come out, they are not prepared to deal with the environments in which they're teaching. And so that's part of the conversation as well. But Reef, jump in here, big dog. Mama Sarah, Mama Sarah was just about to say something. Yeah. I, I think I talked to Chris about this and maybe Charles. I struggle with fighting my own people every day. Probably 
everybody on this 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 stream yard like you fight the people that look like you every day and I struggle with that so bad it's like we got people all over our city that's elected officials people that can change things for the black community and the children and they you gotta fight them to do it Mm-hmm. Shit. Mm-hmm. Why we fight our own people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm talking about from the teacher to the mayor. I'm talking, and I know some of them watching right now. The district <laughs> we fight our own people because I tagged them in. I want yeah. them to watch it. I want the world to know that we fight our own people. <laughs> we fight our own people every day. And, and all they got to do is maybe pick up the phone and make a phone call to change some kids' life. They won't even do it. Mm. They won't even do it. Mm. Our own people, y'all. Yeah, That's yeah. what we've been fighting for the last five and a half years, our own people to listen to us. They don't want to mm. listen. Maybe because they got a PhD behind their name or DR in front of their name. Hey, don't, don't, do don't, don't, do mm. don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, call it like you got a call. Hey, you know? the, dude, the, dude, the dude that's right on top, on top of you on StreamYard is one of your favorite people. And he <laughs> and has those letters. And I love so, him to the moon do and back. And, and, and I don't talk outside of my neck either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, how you talk about him? I, she, I, I'm she not knows. talking about him. I, uh-huh. I'm not the people that we have to go and talk to about our own damn kids, y'all. They can change it for our kids. We got a black man, we got a black school board, we got a black county commission, we got a black city council, and everything in the black community is still jacked up. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody's scared to talk about it. Not me. Mm-hmm. Not me. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Cole, I'm so proud of you. Mm-hmm. The truth leaked out. The tree, truth leaked out. Just came right out. I hey, don't, don't 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 this, man. Hey, reach over here. Mm, I love it too. Listen, Mama Sarah, you you make you bring as always. You know the fire and the truth. And you know if we could only just rely on on uh, people that look like us for salvation, things would be very different. <laughs> things would be very different in a lot of our cities. Um, you know, particularly that are you know uh, hubs of of black and, and brown communities. You know, Cecil, um, Cecil B. Morris said, when you some of these people get these jobs, they become either the drivers, right? While, while everybody's looking at the overseer that used to be, you know, the poor white person, who you know, to manage and oppress black people. You got to look at the driver too, that was often looked like the rest of us, but got a little bit more than everybody else. Right. And they were trying to hold that their position. Right. And so that's why I think the power of you all being um, unified and not just within the city, but across the city. But that leads me to my question. What would you tell people? How would they unify and what mechanisms should they use to communicate feedback back to their schools? How do they unify? and How should they communicate feedback about their children's ex- experiences? And that's for any of you. Just let us in. That's all I'm going to say. Now I'm going to toss it to Kim or Crystal or Joe or John. Just let us in. <laughs> I, I feel hey, like Joe's been trying to jump in there. Joe, I, no, I thanks, you trying to yeah, No, thanks. I appreciate that. So I think like, a, I mean, much to like what Sarah just said, right? Like we, we're just not taking serious. Like it's like the things that we're saying 
aren't true or, 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 or they can't see it or they can't get this data or, or anything like that. But we know that that's not the case, right? We know that's not, that's not the case. We know that they're watching these kids very carefully. We know that they know the direction that these kids are going, but they're not doing anything about it. We know they have all this data in San Antonio. I know that for a fact, I know that for a fact, they do a map test. They know the direction of every single one of these kids and they're not doing anything about it. And like, that's what's scary is, is the fact that they know they have all this data. We know that they have all this data. We're asking them to do something with it. And then they don't do anything with it. And so then, and then it becomes a wonder, like, why do I have this angry person coming at me right now asking these very like weird questions that I've never heard about before? Why do I have this person coming out asking about other people's kids that are not their own kids? Why am I having this person from across town questioning my district about how my district is doing because it's not doing so well, right? And it's because I have this information. And like, there's a saying here in MindShift in San Antonio is that you don't know what you don't know, but when you find out, that's when you start to fight, right? But yeah. if it, no news is good news here. And mm. like, that needs to stop. Right. That needs to stop. And and that's but you don't know that you can ask these questions. You don't know that you should ask these questions. And when we show parents how much a school is getting paid each year to fail 70 percent of our kids, 80 percent of our kids, 95 percent of our kids, it's destructive. It's destructive. Yes. And so then that, that's when they start asking questions of like, what are they doing with all this money? Right. What are they doing with all this money? And I, that that's when it, I mean, but we need people to. To, to not only listen to what it is that we're saying, because that's one thing, but to start doing the things that we're asking for. Right. Because it's not it's not an empty it's not an empty thing that we're asking for. Like mm -hmm. we've talked to our community to find out what's the best direction. Right. I mean, we've done that legwork and I mean, that's it. That's, that's really it. Let me ask one more question just to build on that. A lot of folks just say all oh, this will be fixed if the district just gets more money. Is that what your district needs? Just more money and nothing else? <laughs> and if you need something else, what is it? I think no, that's rhetorical. It's, it's not money. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Plans in place to focus on student outcomes, and that's what we're not doing. We're not focused on student outcomes. We're not focused on parent trainings, and especially in the space that we're living in, the virtual um, world, it just has to look different uh, from this day forward. And that's what I got to say about that. Yeah. Yep. You know. Um, Sarah said something earlier that I think is really important about the, the 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 mayor, the city council, all everybody's black from top to bottom, even in cities where that's not true. Um, I'm sick of mayors and city council members and other elected officials not being a, accountable for child results, period, overall child outcomes in their cities. Right. You can't wash your hands of the, uh, and say that the kids in your jurisdiction, uh, you know, I don't deal with the schools, you know, or I'm not over the schools or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you are the mayor of a city and a city council member or the elected political class of any city, you need people in your face constantly saying, how are the children in Memphis? Mm -hmm. How are the children in Atlanta? How are the children in Cleveland? How are the children in Seattle? So that everybody has to answer for it, right? Because schools have a piece of this. They have the educative piece of this. That, that makes a lot of sense. But there are all these other people with budgets and, and, and human services contracts and the nonprofit industrial complex that nobody ever holds accountable for how much they're helping families and children with their economic security. There is a group of people in every city that need folks in their grill constantly saying, how are the children? Oh, you look good in that suit, Mr. Mayor. 
You look great in that suit, but how are the kids in your city? Yeah. Are they are they eating? Do they yeah. have broadband? Do they have telephones? Do they have phone hmm. access? Right? Do they have white writing materials? What about your budget? Where's your child budget? Where's the child justice in this city? I want to see some child justice. Mm -hmm. Where is it? Help me understand it. Are we there yet? Are we ready to start putting mayors on the on the on the hook too? City they council need members. To be on the hook. They need to be on the hook. I live in a city, two governments, county and city government. Black people, poor black people paying two taxes. The city don't put no money in our district school. And our children live in the darn city. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. So so a question for that mayor in my okay. mind would be what does after school time look like? Right. How much money are you putting into after school time? I know you don't deal with the schools, Mr. Mayor, but tell me, show me your out of school time budget. Right. Show me about your free transportation of libraries. Right. Show me something. Damn. Why should parents study fight for more money for school and our kids are still failing? I'm not fighting no more money. Money ain't the issue here, don't look like. Well, the thing that's missing is consequence. There is no not educating kids in school. Everybody's talking about accountability. Everybody's talking about elective issues. We need consequence. What happens when you don't do what you're supposed to do? What happens when you move a child to the grade and they can't read? What happens? Like we, there needs to be a, something happens. Either a monetary something happens, or it's violence against kids to allow kids to go from grade to grade. Maybe it needs to. They need to go to jail. They building jails for our kids coming from the third grade anyway. That's what prisoner pipeline is. So if 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 kids getting jails built because they can't read in third grade, then what happens to the folks that they do what they supposed to do in the institutions where we giving you all our money? Like my son is, and y'all need to pay for it from the district because either way, the child needs to learn. And, 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 it needs it's, to be and it's and the law says if parents do not send our kids to school, then we are held accountable. If they oh, miss okay. days, defects is at our door, we have to go to court. That's not fair to us, but we can send them into your failing schools um, and they can graduate into the unemployment lines and into the streets. And it's like, okay, it's yeah. the parent fault. But it's not a parent thing. It's a community. That's why they say it takes a village. And that's what we do not do. We're not, we, we're, we are not continuing to build the village so that we can raise these children together. The, the, the schools are, are not a part of the community. That's the problem. These people don't want to be a part of your community. They want to come in and they want to leave and be able to go back to their own community. But that's why you got parents like us, like me and Miss Sarah, when you bring your ass to our community, we're going to make, make it hard for you to just be here and not do right by our kids. You're going to be very uncomfortable to walk in and out of those buildings. That's why you have to open your mouth and say it. When parents see how much money, just like um, Joe says, and see the data and you put those two things together and they see what they're getting, that's when parents learn to ask for more. And they have to reach out to people like me, Miss Sarah, um, Crystal, John. You have to reach out to these different cities and stand with us um, with the Powerful Parent Network because it's not only in our city, like you 
you said, it's, it's a nationwide problem. Well, look, I think you're giving these policymakers and politicians uh, a really hard way to go uh, for no reason. I know they put their children in the schools in your cities that aren't doing well. So, you know, like, just stop it. Stop it. Hey, Reeve, real quick, real quick. Uh, stand up. Let us see your shirt, man. Just my sweatshirt. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Bro. Oh, you real got man. one. Yeah, oh, bro. You, you hey. see me, you hey. see me, Kurt. Shout out to Real Men Teach. Curtis Valentine doing this thing. Got this national movement going on, trying to raise scholarships for Black educators. He's doing this thing. Support him if you can. Real Men Teach. I got to get one now. Hey, the reason why, the reason why I did that, that was a that was a yes, trick. Ma'am. We'll talk about it later. Wait a minute, Miss Sarah. When y'all say, there. when y'all say. Real men teach black men, y'all talking about, right? This specifically, yeah, we're looking for black men, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. I just wanted some clarity. I mean, <laughs> black men straight too, man. Yeah, this this is an initiative to get more black and brown educators. Um, you know, in our in our systems, Curtis Valentine went to Morehouse. He's an educator for a long time, and um, you know, he's trying to trying to build like you know so many of us are across this country. Hey, I heard some pushback. I heard some pushback on that share. I heard it's not inclusive. <laughs> as far as what? Oh, stop it! <laughs> Just stop it. Try Jesus. I don't even know what that means. Try Jesus, right? Yeah, man. I, I, I he's gonna to say, get his shirt next week, Curtis. Don't worry about it. You know, the purple I, and gold. You got me. I got you. All right, bet. Charles, jump in here. Yeah, no. I, I just, I just, again, man. I wanted to just make sure that you all felt our love. And I wanted to ask you all directly, what do you need from us? What do you need from the eight black hands to make sure we are supporting you all? Because here's the thing, when we start talking and we start saying what we need to say, and then we disagree with somebody and we anti this, or we anti this person, or we anti this whole group. Uh, I love each and every one of y'all. I love great teachers. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I don't love systems very much. So how can these four black men who love you all very dearly and y'all love us, what do you need from us specifically uh, so we can take our marching orders and make sure that we are in partnership with the powerful parent movement? For me, it's to keep getting our voices heard. For me, I let the rest of them speak. That's what it is for me. And I know the way y'all let people speak their truth, you know. No hope, no bar hope. We just speak our truth and y'all allow it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you already know how we do it. That love is real. Um, uh, Ms. Dukes, jump in here. So I think for us, um, I agree with Ms. Sarah, but to continue to empower parents to speak their truth um, and provide platforms like these so that parents can get their word out um, and make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we hope we made y'all feel comfortable. Uh, where are we going? Right here, Miss Crystal. <laughs> hey, Miss Crystal. Hey, I found a new toy, Miss Crystal. Um, I think it's important that um they know that our movement is not against teachers, that our fight is against the system, that it's going to take partnership in order for us to build solid platforms for children, and that we're going to have to extend it past the monetary gain of our personal sales and think about the the future and the lives of the people coming behind us. If we don't get this thing in order, we're gonna have people, we're gonna get old and we're gonna have kids out here taking care of us that can't read. I need people to think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about the fact that every, every time you drop the ball for a child, you're then leaving that child to take care of you later. Like, can you depend on that? 
Hmm. Why are we sitting here arguing semantics? This is not a semantics issue. This is not a black and white issue. I do want to make that clear. This is not a black and white issue. This is a child issue. And every adult that's attached to a child is responsible. So if you're at home, you're trying to figure out, well, I don't know if I'm responsible. You're responsible. Because that's our role as a to lead and teach children to get to where we are. And if we're not doing that, then I, okay, yeah, we'll step up. Pull up to your own life. That's what it's going to take. I had to do that first before I could say something to somebody else. Before I can encourage a mother who feel like she can't do it and cry with her until she do. Before I walk and hold a hand to a school while she stand up shaking to say what she needs to say. I had to do that myself. Come this on. is some accountability that needs to happen. Then you can get in line and you'll understand what this war is really about. And you won't feel offended when we say stuff like teachers don't teach. You know it's teachers in schools that don't teach. Don't oh. take it personal if it don't apply to you if the shoe fit tied up. <laughs> like, that's Exactly. Like, I don't want to know more romantic talk. Ms. Crystal, Ms. Crystal, I'm going to ask you this. What are you doing Tuesday night? I'm not shooting my shot. This ain't a thing. You did. Hey, 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 what you doing Tuesday Get in contact with me Tuesday night because I need you on my podcast Tuesday night. Hey, there you go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the better way to ask that question, Ray. That you should have yeah. ended with, Ms. Crystal, will you please be on my podcast <laughs> this week? But you end with... Hey. Ms. Crystal, what you doing on uh, Tuesday hey, night? Hey, there's, there's a way. There's a, way. There's a, there's a thousand people. There's a thousand people in this audience right now, and the only person that I'm speaking to like that is the one upstairs that's in the audience. So, hey, come on. Hey, it's all um, good. <laughs> um, Joe, what's happening? Yeah, um, I think I think what's really important is um, this is going to sound crazy, right? And we expect people to talk about data like that are higher up, right? And use that data to push kids and move kids forward and move the system forward. And nobody's having that kind of conversation. It goes back to what everybody else is saying, right? Accountability, um, transparency, um, you know, they need to be open. But nobody's having a conversation about the data about how many kids are actually failing, right? And I think that's important because that number is is staggering to, to think about, right? Um, but nobody really openly talks about that, right? I mean, in Texas, we have like 5.4 million kids, 55% of which are not reading properly. That's over 2 million kids. That's over 2 million kids. That's a that's a massive number that nobody, you know, cares to talk about or say anything. So I think being like open with how destructive that number is and how incredible that number is and to say you know we need to do something about it right there has to be a different way of moving forward our education is the same way it was a century ago and we're not doing anything to move it forward in this pandemic or to change it in this pandemic and instead of asking how do we make you know education move into the 21st 22nd century the the question is how do we get kids back in school safely back in these buildings safely mm -hmm. and i just think that needs to change Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. All right. So, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go into our closing thoughts, uh, because we we got we got a, we got the Wu Tang here, so it's gonna. <laughs> hey Ray. Hey Ray. Yes, ma'am. Can you let Renee say something? You request yeah. Renee. She hey. not a city leader, but she fight like hell too. Hey, <laughs> hey, Miss Renee. Who your favorite hand? Take it off the mute. <laughs> what? Um, everybody knows that 
I'm older than most of y'all, I'm sure. All of y'all probably. But back in the day when crack came to our neighborhoods, it took out the mama and the daddy. And the and the children was walking up and down the street. And the people next door knew these kids, folks was out there. The church knew it, the school knew it. Nobody reached out and helped those kids. Those children are the adults we dealing with today. You can't tell me nothing. I raised my siblings. Now I'm working on my own children. So you can't tell me nothing. So you got to build these relationships. You got to build these relationships. A great teacher, I'm not trying to talk about teachers, but a great teacher is going to lose some sleepless nights trying to Mm -hmm. figure out how little Johnny kick, how little Johnny work. You're going to always have one in your classroom, but you got to figure that out. It's 30 days in a month. If you got 30 kids in your class, spend 10, 15 minutes every day with a different kid. If you did that, you you know these children. You build relationships. It's just little bitty things, little bitty things that children, that children pay attention to. If you get the children, you got the mama. You're going to get the mama. Because she's going to come. Because sooner or later, that's all the gentleman going to talk about is what Miss So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so did for him. That's it. Well, thank you for that. Hey, hey, Miss Sarah, thank you for for for, for bringing her out of her shell. Uh, she ain't gonna tell us who her favorite hand is, but that's okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Little, I son. love the eight black hands. I love them. I tell everybody I know about them. And now, Charles, I love his story. I ain't never heard your story. I love Charles' story. That's what we. Wait, is that about. why you keep asking her that? Because I'm her favorite. Man, you. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Smith. You know, he always let me get it. I didn't even know he was hating the whole time. I ain't even continue, please. Thank you, Miss Smith. Thank you. What you doing Wednesday night, Miss Smith? Go ahead. Put you on my podcast. I love the eight black hands. I love them. All right. All right. So closing thoughts. We'll start with Miss Crystal because I know she about to drop some bars and uh and uh and and that's that <laughs> closing thoughts um, my closing thought is for everybody to uh, remember that, that we love children and the reason we fight the way we do is because we love them even though the child is not mine even though the child is not the same color as me and if the child live in the suburbs and I grew up on the north side of St. Louis that's where I still reside I love all kids, and when I see the light come on in a child's eyes, and when you when you wrap love around a child, it don't matter who it's coming from, they stick it up like a sponge. So get in this love thing with us. That's what this is about. And we coming against that system of everything that has strong love to all kids. And that's what we need. So don't don't look at it as an antagonist. Look at it as opportunity. This is your time. This is your opportunity to take a step that you wouldn't have had before. Shirley Chisholm said, they don't got a seat for you, bring your folder chair. Mm. So that's mm. what we're doing. We're going to bring our folder chair to every table you don't want us to until you understand we belong there in the first place. <clears throat> I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to jump to uh, Ms. Dukes. So I think every parent just um, 
should know, or everybody should know, uh, every parent have a vision for their child. And everybody want their child to be successful. So it's not just about holding each other accountable. It's about empowering each other to disrupt this system and change it. Um, so we have to do, um, like John Lewis said, get into some good trouble. Not only parents, but teachers um, and community members. We have to disrupt the system because the system was not created for our kids. And I can say that because I have six bad boys that I'm raising in Atlanta in a failing school system. Mm, appreciate that. Appreciate that lived experience. Uh, Mr. Little, sir. Man, oh, this is heavy um, as it ends. I just think, I didn't think we, I thought it was just a Nashville problem until I met Sarah. I thought it was just a black problem until I met Joe Cantu, and I saw Latino kids experiencing the same things that we experience in the black communities. I just think we got to come together. Um, I think it's not a black, a white, a Latino thing. It's a it's an education thing. And in our communities, we're just not getting a good education and we live in a system in America. And if you don't have a good education in America, you don't thrive. Um, and so I'm listening. Ah, this is heavy on a Sunday night as I get ready for the, the new work week. But I think it's the work we got to do. I appreciate you guys for giving us the platform. And I just think we got to continue to come together and we got to fight, fight like hell um, on behalf of our kids. And so I'm encouraged. That's what's up, bro. Thanks for that. Um, Joe. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I think some some closing stuff for us is um, it's uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for being here. I'm humbled by the fact that you guys uh, invited us to be here. So thanks for that. I think a, a huge part of it is the fact that, you know, inadvertently or on purpose or, or not on purpose, parents are just being left out and they don't know. Uh, we spoke to a huge part of our community and roughly 99 to you know, like that kind of percentage of parents didn't know that there was like a, a rating system for schools. And so they, we are in this kind of society, if you will, that doesn't have some sort of accountability from the community to the education system right now, or people don't know what it looks like. And so they don't say anything. And, you know, th like I said before, there's a saying that we say here in San Antonio is that, that you don't know what you don't know. And but once you find out, that's that's when you start to fight and that's when you start to ask, you know, some serious, important questions about what's going on. And, you know, to know that you, you can do it, you're not alone and you can call on any one of us for help. And and you, you have to it's crazy that I have to say this, but you have to fight to make sure that your kids get a good education. It, it's it's incredible, but you have to. Um, it, but until that accountability system change or changes in some way, this is what we have to do right now. No. Oh, thank you for that. All right. Mama Sarah, what's here? Yeah, I I sit here and listen and not listen. And I, this ain't a black and white issue. It's not a color issue. But y'all know, and we know, everybody know, no kids have suffered like black children. Black people, period. So we got we to gotta start telling the truth first, and then we can go forward. And when you train your teachers, if they come to North Memphis to teach, they not come to save our children. They come to teach our children. We got to save you. We got to save you. But we, you, you come to teach our children. And we're not looking for sympathy. 
we looking for a little empathy with our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that. And we send you the best that we got every day. May not be your best, but when my grandkids walk in your school, they the best that we got and we love them. That's mine. All right. So listen, we want to thank the Powerful Parent <laughs> Movement for coming through and kicking it with us. Uh, we're going to take a couple minutes uh, after y'all leave to kind of unpack what we just uh, witnessed because it was amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just need to just digest this a little with my with, with my crew. But uh, thank you guys for coming and kicking it with us. Uh, like Charles said, anything you need from us, we got you. Just let me know. Miss Ms. Sarah, just text me. You know I will. <laughs> we love y'all. I'm going I'm to I'm start pulling y'all out. We love y'all. We love y'all too. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. So Chris will be back in a second. Uh, uh, thank you, Miss Crystal. Love love what you said. You almost I almost let her stay. Uh, <laughs> they was all just great, man. But I don't even know if she knows how powerful her words were in that moment. It was just, that's like, you know, Reef, I, I don't know how they do it at the mosque, bro, and, and tell me because I want to learn. But that's that's like when you in church with your granny and like somebody get that testimony and it's just like, oh, pass or sit back on down because it's like she about to go in. So I was really blessed by what she had to say, man. I That was a very humbling show. No, absolutely. I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if it was at the masjid, somebody would yell out, tag beer, oh, okay. and everybody say, Allah, who Akbar, you know? So that's how we, you know, that's how that call and response go. But yeah, it was, it was again, powerful from powerful by powerful parent network, right? Like it was, it was sharing real experiences, giving real feedback about their experience with their children, their own experiences with their grandchildren, and what it felt like to, to be in our schools and in our systems and in our districts. And this is like absolutely crucial for teacher development. Like people need to understand and you develop you know, empathy and understanding and cultural humility so that when you're working with other people, children, you are bringing your absolute best and you recognize their full human, you know, humanity. And that's that's a big piece. That's that's just missing, man. Breezy, what was your thoughts? Woo, there was a lot. There was a lot there. You know, in 2015, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I went down to visit them, the powerful parent. Well, actually, it was Memphis Lift that I visited the first time. So I went to visit them. And I remember standing outside in the back smoking (laughs) a Newport. This is back when I was a smoker. And I'm sitting out there. What am I going to say to these people? Because I had so much in my head going on at the time like what what's the common ground and it really did work out the parent part because as you all know that my story is you know I'm in this because I was a parent you know that had some problems or had some issues with the schools and um I swear I just got on a, a thing I just started talking through my scrapped everything that I was going to say and I went on this like little rampage of things that I was saying and I was like you know I'm sick of parent engagement. I'm sick of parent involvement. I'm sick of, uh, you know, parent uh, 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 family nights and all that stuff. And I said, you know, parents don't need to be engaged. Parents need to be enraged about what's happening to their kids. Parents don't need to be um, um, involved. Parents need their problems solved. And finally, parents don't need... um, they don't need to be empowered. You don't need to empower them. They need to be in power. And those are two different concepts. And I started saying that in other places because that was the first time it had hit me that that's actually that was the clarity of my message with them was just really we are all that our kids have. 
It doesn't matter whether we feel deficient or incompetent or less educated when we get in those rooms with people. Um, our power is our power. And, 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 and my timeline today just shows me how educated, professional people working within the system are arrogant. They think they know every damn thing. They think they're the experts, even as you look up their schools and the kids in their schools are failing. They think they know everything and they talk to parents in, in so many kind of out of hand ways and the way in which they come at me. I don't I don't I don't think they see me as just a parent, you know, just a parent. So they come at me sideways. But you do get to see the kind of occupational uh, arrogance that only can be dashed by real parents showing up and saying, I don't care what you think about yourself or what you've got going on or whatever. This is my child. This child is generating the revenue in this shit you call a school. Mm. And we're going to have to have a conversation about this. I don't care what you think about me. You know, you, when you in the lounge, you know, Ray, you and, 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 uh, um, El Mecky, maybe you've heard things in the lounge that I'm never going to hear. So you can say it there then as teachers, go say that in the lounge. But when it comes out here with me and mine, there just has to be a different discussion. So I love seeing them. They inspired me so much. I just love seeing them and, and others like them. Uh, I want to see them show up. <laughs> Bro. I mean, you just, you just hit on something important, man. And you, and when we're talking about your Twitter feed and talking about, uh, Point one on your Twitter feed that kind of, you know, raised some eyebrows from, from, from educators. If they're talking to you that way and you have a blue check and a platform, what do you think that they're saying to parents? Like they Bruh, and you saw what the the point one said, right? Yeah. Everybody can learn. This is what it's my, my, my point one was um, our kids are capable of so much more than the adults in their lives think they're capable of. We got to close the belief gap. And I had an educator say, I stopped at the bullet point number one after I read that. You stopped. I didn't want to read no more. Hey, I've been trying to lay out less firepower, but I wanted to come in and be like, well, you can't never teach at my school. You can't never teach my kid. Like, what the fuck? Like, I want to I I I know who this. I'm sorry. I, they I, said, I, how dare you say that they can achieve more? They yo. get what we gave them. That's and, it. And yo. you know what? The one giving me the most grief, mm. I finally just buckled down and went and looked up her school. They've got 5% black kids. They've got 5% uh, kids on po- in poverty. And they've got less than that in uh, kids on IEPs. Bro, I don't even argue so, with people like that. I, yo, I, you can't, you, you, we, can't you? we don't got nothing in common. We don't have anything in common. So, of course, your lived experience in the classroom is going to be different because you ain't never really had to do nothing. A lot of those kids are set up. Right. They're set up from the, from the gate. So when they get in there, there's very little management that you have to do for them because of all the extracurriculars and all the money that their parents going to spend into getting them the tutors and like all those other things in a school like that. Come teach in, 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 my, in my neighborhood. And, and then what I will say this as a board member, as a former board member, I'll say this because uh, we had this situation in Minneapolis with how the boundaries work. The teachers in those schools know how to get the bad teachers that are their colleagues out of the building. Mm. Mm. But they still have to go somewhere. And this is what I learned about the the, the teacher economy and the student economy in one district. Uh-huh. 
best schools get all the best money. We had a school that had everything from jazz band and gospel band and blah, 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 in the whitest part of town and a school across town that didn't even have working bathrooms in it and shit. But the teachers just mysteriously, the bad teachers just mysteriously fall out of those really good buildings because the principal and the other educators work together. Just girl, you ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. But guess what? The district still has to put them somewhere. Mm. So yeah. guess what happens when the district still has to put you somewhere because the contract says you have to put you somewhere and the white folks don't want you in their school over there. Uh, the teachers don't want you. The parents don't want you. The principal don't want you. I don't, you know how the story ends. I don't even Dance need to end the story. <laughs> yeah, but see, but see the, here, here, the conversation becomes, what about in those districts that don't really have those kind of schools that you're talking about, right? And like, it, there's just like a, there's, 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 there's buildings that I don't want this, I don't want this teacher in my in my building, right? And then they got to go in like a in an urban district. Let's just go ahead and just put it out there, right? You got an urban district, and you got hundreds of teachers that are like underperforming that can't be counseled out because the union is so strong, right? And so they're circulating schools after schools after schools every couple of years, right? And it's a perpetuation of failure, bro. Okay, what now can we Ray, do about Ray, that? just stop for a second. And now this is all three of you. Okay, yeah. you heard what Ray just said. Okay. Now, here's my response to Ray, and then y'all tell me. Ray, why are you teacher bashing? We work so hard. We get educated. We get extra career certificates and everything else. Who are you to come along and just like, why would you say that? Why would you teacher bash like that? Now, what's the response to that? Oh, okay. So uh, I'm not teacher bashing. <laughs> I'm a realist. And so therefore, since I've been in your <laughs> shoes and I've taught before, I know how to teach. I can come to your school on invite and teach circles around you, even in your content area. And so that's my energy, bro. That's where I'm at. So if you can't teach and then I go and I go to pull up your results because then they'll say, oh, results ain't everything. The hell they aren't. <laughs> what you mean? Results? Know, like, so, well, you know, read, reading that, ain't everything. That one, that one thing you're supposed to be able to do. I would say this. I think here, here's here's where I mean, gaslight. You know, in Black Twitter, learns a word, they gotta use it out, right? So, <laughs> gaslight. Is a word. Gaslighting. Here we go. That we hear, right? But he, but I, but but let's. But it goes both ways, right? Like it ain't fun when a rabbit got the gun. It is gas. It is absolute gaslighting to tell concerned parents that they can't have a critique about your teaching. And your teaching style because they've never taught in the classroom before. That is, if you want to talk about gaslighting, which is actually t- like that is gaslighting at its highest. I would say this, man, as somebody who's been in classrooms every day, who is a social worker every day, like three other people here, right? And who's in hosp- who's been in hospitals every day uh, for a while, uh, not lately, but in the past. I would say this, man, people know when they're not getting good treatment. People know what it feels like to be treated well. You know when you got a good nurse versus when you got a bad one. You know when you got a good doctor versus when you got a bad one. And guess what else you know? We got a, the same people that said that called cops bad every day and carry ain't been on one patrol. That's my point. Oh, ain't been on it, one patrol. I ain't never shot a bullet. Ain't so shot a single bullet. So here's what I'm going to say to you. If we can hold a higher standard to our police across the country that need a higher standard, hell, baby. I mean, they are abusing and murdering, mutilating black bodies. And they running campaigns against uh, the blue folks by saying that. We want to keep doing that and doing more of it. And guess what? They're getting a response, right? If we can go at police unions right now 
you best damn well believe that you can go after a, a, a profession and people not 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 people. Nobody here hates teachers. You know what I'm saying? But you can go after a union that protects the jobs and comfort levels of people that are killing your baby's brains. Now, everybody ain't killing brains out there. But we talking to the people that are and that have been and that have seniority protections or whatever. I ain't got nothing against the union, man. I really don't. I That's really not even my fight. But here's what I'll say. And I know this part is a little long winded. You can take the, the screen out. But I, I this is the when I was a social worker, this happened. We went into a house where we had to remove a child. And I saw we went in. We saw rats. There was dog feces on the floor. The, the milk was spoiled. And it was just crazy. And the baby, it was a baby in the middle just crying. And uh, and and then what happened was I made a face. So after that, my master social worker, the person that's training me was like, hey, so tell me how that felt. Right. And this is the story that, that they gave me. They was like, tell me how that felt. And I was like, it felt fine. It's like, no, nah, you made a face. And they said, look, check this out. If, if, if somebody gets shot and the ambulance comes and that kid is bleeding. He can scream and his mom runs out and she can scream. And then everybody else runs out and the and, and the kids are and they come around and they screaming. And then the ambulance shows up. And then you hop out as an EMT and you start screaming. Screaming. <laughs> you can't do that. You are the professional in that moment. Everybody else gets to be that. We have things for you and we have and we need to take care of you afterwards. And we need to make sure that you are OK and your mental health is there and you are getting paid what you deserve to get paid and all of those things. But in the moment, your job is to save a life. So in these classrooms, your job is to teach. And yeah, everybody ain't did it, Ben. But people know when their baby is on the ground fucking bleeding. Well, and Charles, just let me say this, because this doesn't sound bad, but I said in my timeline, too. If you were a teacher listening to this and you're in my timeline talking shit and your kids are not learning, you're not a teacher. So I don't care what you've been trained to do. I don't care what your degree says. I don't care what the thing on the wall says and how much tuition you paid and like what type of tenure you have and all that type of stuff. Don't come in my timeline talking high and mighty about your training and your background, your experience and walk, walk a mile in my shoes and have me look up and see that nobody's learning in your classroom or your school. If nobody is learning but you call yourself an educator. I'm having an issue with those two things. I don't know how they match up with each other. What are you educating? The kids can't tell <laughs> if you an educator. The kids don't know it. <laughs> yeah, that might sound wrong. That might sound wrong, but it's not wrong. It's not wrong at all. It's not wrong at all. And, and I think that in a society such as this, we should be able to say those things without feeling like or, or, or thinking that there's going to be some backlash against it. Like, listen, I'm, I'm in a profession to where like I, I want you to criticize me. I want you to criticize my work. I want you to scrutinize it. I want you to like red pen it. I want you to red pen all my moves when it comes down to what I need to do from nine to five for my kids. Because if I'm not doing it, then I need to take that feedback in order to get myself better at my job, right? If I'm unwilling to take that feedback, I'm unwilling to hear that from other people, then number one, that makes me very difficult to work with in terms of my colleagues. Like I couldn't imagine being a teacher in that building. Mm-hmm. And number two, it's like, I couldn't imagine managing that person. Like shit, if I'm coming in here and I'm telling you like, hey, this lesson is trash, but you can't really say it that way. You can't say it that way. You can't say it. <laughs> Reef, tell them how you say it. I mean, it's it's about coachability. I mean, it's, it takes it takes skills to be a coach. But, you know, back to the original question, like it, it, there's I can't think of an effective educator that doesn't welcome 
you know, feedback, you know, from their colleagues, from their supervisors, from their children um, and from the families. Right. Like I, I think, you know, as educators, we have to just spend a lot more time listening and learning, um, not just like, oh, I know my content and I know this and I'm, I'm you know, dusting off a folder with, uh, you know, um, some old lessons that have just, you know, keep playing and repeating, you know, like actually understanding, like, you know, the context that students are working in, the strengths that they bring to bear when they come in the classroom. And I, I just can't even wrap my head around the idea of someone saying like, you know, you can't give me feedback because you haven't formally taught their parent. They've, they have taught, you know, yeah. they've, they've taught not only their own kids, they likely because of the communities we live in, the communities we're from likely have, they've actually probably taught, many kids. And mm -hmm. so respecting that, but that goes from not, again, the cultural, you know, cultural ignorance, not even understanding the communities and how they operate, how they, how they navigate, how they teach each other, how they support each other, you know, and related to like, you know, how are the children, you know, Alice Walker said that like the most important question in the world is why are the children crying? And damn, like our children are crying. And so if you're not getting feedback about why they're crying, why they're crying out, then you, you've lost. You've lost right from the beginning. And which means that the students are likely going to be lost as well. Bro, ain't no likely to it, man. Those students are definitely going to be lost. But hey, listen, man. Hey, that energy. I'm, I'm glad that you guys were able to stay on these couple of minutes. But let's close it out, man. Closing thoughts. Uh, Charles, we'll start with you, sir. Well, first off, I, I just want to basically start out by saying how thankful I am for all, all of you, uh, the three of you. You know what I mean? I think that we found each other for a reason. God put us together for a reason. And I think it's because we needed support and we felt alone and we felt attacked and we felt like, you know, it don't pay to speak your mind and be real in this thing. And then we found each other and then through each other, we found this larger, like super community. And then we found people like the powerful parent movement. And I'm just so thankful for those people because there are people out there that's working. There are people in this world that like to say black people don't care or this, that, and the third or whatever the case is. And every time we got a critique for somebody and we start getting all this pushback and hate or whatever, like, I feel like Sarah Carpenter just shows up at the right time. I feel like somebody <laughs> that's just, it's like, like people like that just show up and say, nah, man, like this is how we feel. And this is how we've been feeling. Don't nobody here hate teachers, man. We actually want to see you thrive. We want to see you win. And if and if we keep going at this about it's one cyber, it's not, it's not, it's not. We're talking about people's kids, man. And I get it, man. But like, yo, our kids are being failed, man. And I just hope that you brothers continue, you know what I'm saying? To like stand in that truth, continue to to, to look at those numbers and be the voice of reason. Like Miss Sarah gave us a, a, a job. She said, continue to amplify their voices. Like we got a platform that so many people don't have and wish they did. Like we reaching thousands and thousands of people. And every time I'm like, well, maybe I should deliver that differently. Somebody hits me. I'm telling you. And like, I'm glad you said it. And I'm glad you said it just like that. So I, my final thought is I just appreciate Raymond Ankrum, Sharif El Mackey and Chris Stewart. Um, and also I want to find a way to incorporate the actual real work that we do because y'all see us on this show. In real life, all these brothers get busy, man. Like, get busy for communities and for kids. And we got to just stay on our game and stay on our grind and keep telling that good truth and keep doing the good work. And guess what? Don't none of us got to be perfect to do it. Ain't it good to have a loving God where, where everybody gets some grace and mercy towards them? Parents, if people making you feel like you got to be perfect in order to have something to say or critique about your kid, they out their fucking mind. And you can tell them we said that and let us know and we'll stand behind you when you say it again louder. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what's up. Reef. Yeah, no, we appreciate you too, Dr. Cole. And, um, you know, I, I, I second what he said. I, I think, you know, one, tonight reminded me of when we were in Pittsburgh. Yo, you and, in Pittsburgh was amazing. Oh my gosh. And, you know, and, and all these parents and, and whatnot, it just reminded me like just organizing, you know, uh, you know, families and seeing them, you know, just speak truth to power and, and being, you know, unbowed, unfazed, you know, relentless and, and, you know, even even when people, you know, when that idiot in Pittsburgh, that, that woman that is from Pittsburgh, you know, walked around with that shirt, said F charter schools, you know, um, and uh, we see parents and just like, you know, that's that's what you're showing towards parents who put their kids in, you know, in any school. Like, you know, what I mean, it was just like absolute. But that was the energy they were bringing where, you know, the parents we were uh, around, they were bringing something else. But they, they were operating with love. You know, that's what they were operating with. And that's what I saw. You know, that's what I saw tonight. And I just really you know, I just appreciate families mm. when they can unify across sector, city, all these imaginary boundaries. Right. And coming together to ask, how are the children? Oh, they're not doing OK. Then we are organizing to to fight for educational justice. At the end of the day, that's that's what we have to do. And if you're if you're an educator, if you're not operating with a level of humility, if you're not. Uh, looking at your job as as servant leadership, you know, looking at it like, hey, I am supporting God's creation, you know, both the children and com- communities. And if you don't have love for that, you're in the wrong profession. If you do not love the children and the communities and know your content and curriculum, you're 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 doing the wrong stuff, you know. And so we got to either get better or find find different ways to do so that we can mitigate the damage being done to our children across this country. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Breezy. You know, on the last point, I'll just say like love is measured in results. Uh-huh. So um, so it's a lot to love our kids. You can love our kids. But I mean, if you're loving our kids into illiteracy or you're loving them into jail or welfare uh-huh. or you're you know loving them into a lifestyle that you never want for your own kids because you're college educated and you're lording over large groups of kids every day. Um, who don't have your opportunities or whatnot. That's not the type of love that we're, because you can hug our children and love them in many different ways. But at the end of the day, their parents' American dream is that they do better than than what we've done as parents ourselves, right? That's kind of like what people want for their kids. I've been a, a parent now, I'm, I'm three decades in as a parent. I became a parent in 1990. You and so I know, I know, man. <laughs> I know. So I became a parent in 1990. I was undereducated. I was working in service industry work at the time. And my biggest negative tape that was running in my mind was how bad I was going to fail at it and how bad I wasn't going to be able to make anything happen for my kid because I was working as a temporary worker for rich people and watching what they were doing for their kids. And I was saying to myself, I'm done. I'm toast. Like, there's no way I'm, <laughs> my kid is never going to get any of that. So the only thing that I ever knew to do was try and be about education for my kid. That was the only thing I knew to do. I, I wasn't about it for myself. Hadn't been in my my own life and in my own school life. Hadn't been about myself. But those first 10 years, I mean, you know, from 90 to 2000, I just was on top of a lot of things. But as a black man, I really wanted to show up. I really wanted to learn all I could. I asked a lot of questions of people. Um, I begged people for answers to things. And I would, you know, get on the phone and, and just call people randomly who had some sort of authority in different places and ask them questions. And um, and I did my job like that. That was what I was supposed to do at that time. I was yeah. supposed to learn. I was 
supposed to teach myself some things and learn. And I became less and less, um, I became less and less frightened and scared about like, you know, raising my hand in a, in a meeting with, you know, mostly women with their kids. And I'm here, I am the dad with my kid or whatever, you know, and, and, um, in, in buildings and, and, and all that, I got over it, but I never stopped. So I kept going and I became an advocate and an activist over time because I was just amassing so much information and I was feeling really proud about it. But it only took one or two times for me to get like some college educated person to trip me up in a meeting or somewhere where I thought I was about to say something for me to completely deflate for to erase like a lot of what I I thought I had learned and and knew. And I, I just chalked it up to my ignorance and my inability to be educated like the other people. So when you see me now today and I have a level of confidence about what I know, that's 30 years in the in the in the making of self-education, self-medicating through uh, education and and uh, and learning to intellectualize these issues in a way that goes beyond just being the father who's behind goes beyond just being. But I wanted to do that because somewhere along the line, I started modeling for other people how to show up. I started saying to other people, we got to fight this, right? And, and trying to organize people. And as I started doing that, I started developing a different, I think, skill set. So today, when you see a bunch of PhDs and MEDs or ADs or whatever going through my timeline, trying to chop it up with me and, and put me in my place and make me small again, what you're going to see is the impossibility of making me small again. And the reason is not because of them or because I feel so great about myself, but it's because of the people that Miss Sarah and others are trying to lead and show up for to say to them, um, all you need is to be a parent. All the, the, the one authority that anybody will have in any of these discussions is God gave you a child. You are the official guardian period of their intellectual development, and there is no power greater than that. It's the greatest power ever. So you can have a PhD and an ED. You can have whatever you want. You could be the superintendent. You could be a school board member. You could be a governor. You could be a mayor. You could be a president. Um, you're still beneath. You're still beneath. In God's order of the universe, you're still beneath the parent. And that's that's just my message. That's just what I want to close on. I'm more full when I see people like them on our shows than um, some of the other shows that we might have. That's it. Bro, uh, like Marissa said, you'll never be small. But I want to close out with a thought, though. So, look at this solo layout. Ah! All right. So, uh, we just had Thanksgiving holiday, and a lot of y'all probably wasn't practicing what the CDC said, right? A lot of y'all probably had people over to your house, didn't have COVID tests prior to, and there was all kinds of things that were going on that made life dangerous for yourselves and that are also going to make life dangerous for educators, and so what my message to you guys is that, listen, this pandemic is not over. Uh, there are uh, these numbers are record high in terms of uh, daily contractions of COVID. Folks are dying. Folks are dying even more now than they were ever uh, during the time of COVID-19. So please practice restraint. Uh, I'm mm. not saying that, you know, I'm not saying to take anybody's vaccine. I'm not, we already know Tuskegee. We already know these things. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that, you know, Educators come to school every day. Those of us that are on the front lines that are still in school. I want you to think about them when you're making these decisions to congregate and do all these things that you're doing and whatnot, because you're putting their lives at risk and you're also putting uh, your child's life at risk. Secondly, to educators, we all know that y'all not sitting at home chilling. 
right? Y'all are congregating with y'all families too, and y'all have equally the responsibility to ensure that you are practicing safety and, and, and abiding by guidelines. So make sure that you're doing it too. We can't ask that of the parents and not ask that of the educators. If we all uh, combine to keep each other safe, then we'll be safe. That is my message. Uh, you guys have been listening to the A Black Hands podcast. Uh, Reef, we know your classroom management at home sucks. So it's all good. <laughs> it gets even worse than that, man. So, we, you know, we I got these crickets for the chickens. So, you know, and I think my kids, let them out, man, I got this? crickets running all over the place. I'm just like, yo, where that cricket? I'm like, tag on it. But yeah, man, this is this is the life over here, bro. This is the life. I'm gonna tell you this much. You know, when the when the when when it comes, when the zombies come, I'm going to Sharif's house because I don't know what the hell. I'm not. I'm not. Number one (laughs) and number two, because the the zombies probably gonna come out his basement. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) that's why I'm not going there. And second of all, on the list of shit you'll never hear Chris Stewart say on this podcast is, "I got the crickets for the shit." (laughs) Yo, yeah, that's true. Hey, hey, hey. Shout out to Nate Robinson's chin. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it is late. I love you, man. Listen, you've been listening to April go. Hands. We'll check her out. Peace. Peace. <laughs> You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One. Thank you for listening. <laughs>